Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Harbin here with you. And we have now, as a result of Michael Cohen pleading guilty to lying to the Senate, we have now learned that Donald Trump's price, his price to sell out his country, apparently is a hotel. Give me a hotel. I'll commit treason. I'll sell out my country. He lied to us, according to Michael Cohen's guilty plea. Donald Trump lied to us throughout the campaign. Remember, he went on TV, he said, I got nothing. I got nothing to do with Russia. I got no money invested in Russia. You know, maybe those are very carefully crafted words. Maybe he didn't have money invested in Russia. Because after all, he wouldn't build the hotel. A Russian oligarch would build the hotel. They'd put Trump's name on it. And they would pay Trump millions of dollars, you know, in royalties and fees. That's how it works. Trump doesn't actually build these properties around the world. He gets somebody else to build them. He puts his name on them, and then they pay him for the naming rights. And I think his brand is kind of in the crapper right now. But he's, I mean, you know, he's been doing this for some time. So I suppose he could say, yeah, I, you know, didn't do that. But he was trying to do that deal. At the same time that he was protesting that he wasn't doing anything. You know, and is this the one hand washes another? Has, has Mueller finally proven collusion? Or shall we say conspiracy to defraud the United States of America and its citizens? Trump obviously defrauded us. He lied to us throughout the campaign. And then Michael Cohen, to support that lie, went and lied before Congress. But it's not just Trump. This is the entire Republican Party now. It's become the Trump Party. And people are literally dying from Republican health care policies. We were talking the other day about these two women who tried to deliver the ashes of their dead children who were diabetics. They were uh, young adults and they were and, you know, they were on their own and they couldn't afford to pay for their insulin because the company, Sanofil, as I recall, had jacked the price from $25 a dose up to $500 a dose or numbers in that range. And, you know, the Republicans are, oh, it's cool with us, you know. And not to mention the failure to expand Medicaid. We've talked about Charlene Dill, the woman in Florida who died 
because Rick Scott would not expand Medicaid. She was working, so she was earning too much money to get Medicaid. But she wasn't earning enough money to be able to afford to pay for insurance. She was working three part-time jobs. She had three kids. She was cutting her heart medication in half because she couldn't afford it. She died. Her blood is on Rick Scott's hands, who is now heading to the Senate. I mean, this is the entire Republican Party. They're helping the planet to die. And they're lying to us about all of this, just like Trump lied to us about being in bed with Russia and Russian oligarchs, presumably, to build a Trump hotel. They've been lying to us for years. I mean, Reagan came in and lied to us and said, oh, yeah, trickle-down economics. It's going to make the nation prosperous. Bush lied to us. Oh, yeah, there's weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Nixon lied to us. Oh, I'm not a crook. I wouldn't blow up the Vietnam peace talks in 1968 just to get myself elected. They were all lies. The last legitimately elected Republican president was Dwight Eisenhower. You've heard this riff before. And frankly, the last Republican president who didn't lie to us, to the best of our knowledge, was Dwight Eisenhower. I think America is waking up. It really feels like America's waking up. Like we may not have to go through, you know, some sort of just horrible crisis to get to that point. Actually, we are going through a horrible crisis right now. It's, you know, the Republicans having gerrymandered the country so that even though overwhelmingly the nation voted for Democrats, for the House of Representatives, and even for the Senate in the last election, Republicans hold, you know, a majority in the Senate narrow majority, but a majority in the Senate, and were able to hold on to at least 100 seats that should have flipped. And they're able to hold on to some state legislatures. I mean, this enormous scam is going on. And I think we're waking up. As these guys are aggressively working to destroy the planet and lying to us about it, to loot our government and hand that money off to their billionaire friends through the GOP tax scam, and they're lying about it. I mean, every step along the way, these guys are pulling this stuff off and lying about it to all of us. And now Mueller is exposing it. Thank God. All right, thank God we can finally figure out what's actually going on. The grifter in chief, and according to Cohen, he's been briefing his entire family on this. This is the Trump crime family about to go down. Or at least that's how it looks to me. On the line with us is Senator Sherrod Brown, one of the real good guys. Brown.senate.gov just reelected as senator from Ohio. Yeah, you can tweet him at Sen, S-E-N, Sherrod Brown. Senator Brown, welcome back to the program. Tom Hartman, love your show and love how you do it and love how you put current events and the context of history. And if uh, more people in this country did that and fewer watch Fox News, we'd have a way better government. So <laughs> thank, thank you, sir. Amen. So Donald Trump, you've got in Lordstown, Ohio, uh, General Motors is closing a factory. This is your state. I know that you have been working rather publicly, actually, for a number of years to try to strengthen General Motors and to, and to work out deals that will keep jobs in town. And Trump has the temerity to blame this on you. I don't get it. 
Well, it, it was kind of funny because it, it's like there's a Republican president in this country, a Republican House, a Republican Senate, a Republican Supreme Court, a Republican governor in Ohio, and Trump looked out over the horizon, and the only Democrat he could see in Ohio, I guess, was me, so he thought he'd blame me. But, I mean, I'll put up my record on fighting for workers against Donald Trump's any day. I mean, I voted voting against NAFTA or 10 years ago fighting against, or longer than that ago, fighting against this trade policy with China while President Trump, the billionaire uh, developer, was sending jobs overseas for his own businesses. So I will make that contrast anytime on on who makes the fight for the middle class, who makes the fight for low-income people, who makes the fight for workers. Yeah, and he continues to. I mean, we've seen online pictures of uh, MAGA hats, or sometimes they call them maggot hats, that have made in China or made in Mexico labels on them. I mean, it's just yeah, it's, I, it's, it's bizarre. to point out this sort of phony populism. I mean, real populists are never racist or never anti-Semitic, never push some people down to lift others. Real populists believe in the dignity of work. Real populists fight for people who work hard all their lives. Real populists fight for low-income people. And, you know, the White House, in contrast, the phony populism of the White House, the White House looks like a retreat for Wall Street executives, except on the days it looks like a retreat for drug company executives. I mean, it's it's such a clear contrast. And we've got to take that whole populism label away from Trump because he clearly is never on the side of real people. He doesn't ever have the backs of the public. Yeah, he talks a good line, but that's all he's got. I mean, this guy has been peddling BS his entire life. Tell me about the American Cars, American Jobs Act. Yeah, well, I talked to Trump last night about this, and I asked him to support it. And here's the problem. If you shut down production, well, the day they laid off 1,500 workers in Lordstown back last summer, the same day... GM announced they were building a plan in Mexico to make a Chevy Blazer. One of the reasons for that is if you're paying 21% federal corporate tax, if you're making things in Youngstown, you go to Mexico, all of a sudden in taxes, you get a 50% off coupon on your taxes. You're only paying 10.5%. So, of course, these companies are going to So I said to the president, we've got to get rid of that tax break. It was the president's tax bill that put it in, that 50% off. Oh, really? We've got to get rid of that tax break, and we've got to take that money saved from that tax break and put it in the pockets of car buyers that are buying American cars in the United States. It would be $3,500 per car. So you take away the corporate subsidy that ends up in the executives' pockets, and you instead put the money in the pockets of, of car buyers, and you'd help create more demand, and you'd see more jobs in the United States, and you'd see this plant in Youngstown, you'd see them retool that plant for another car there or another vehicle. And that's why this American Car, American Jobs Act would work. And even the president last night said to me he's for it, but he also said he was for the Patriot Corporation Act and the Working Families Tax Relief Act. So we're going to hold him to it, and we're sending him all the information, and we're going to talk to him about it, but we're going to keep the pressure on. That's amazing. You're talking about the GOP tax scam, this giant tax reduction. Yeah, you think about that. GM got billions of dollars in that tax cut. Then they have the temerity, the CEO, to tell me, well, we can't retool this plan. Well, why? Because they put that money into stock buybacks. So the top five executives at GM are making $100 million, but they Whoa. couldn't keep this plan open. They couldn't retool. She told me it would cost too much to build the new paint shop because you'd have to raise the ceiling. Well, compared to building a new plant in Mexico, so they just didn't want to spend their hard-earned tax gain. You know, this is, again, in the context of we saved this industry. President, Obama, President Bush helped. President Obama and the Democrats in Congress saved this industry a decade ago. They get a huge tax cut last year, and now they want to preserve this move offshore and get a 
2% off coupon in their taxes now instead of investing in the United States. And for most people, that's we've had enough of that. That's that's incredible. The great Senator Sherrod Brown, Sherrod Brown, uh, brown.senate.gov, and send Sherrod Brown on Twitter. Senator, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks always, Tom. Thanks for Great talking with you. And keep up the great work. You spend every day in your office chair. That's over 2,000 hours a year. So if you're spending all that time in the wrong chair, is it any wonder why you're sore and tired at the end of the day? Ditch that no-name, one-size-fits-all superstore chair and trade up to the X chair. When you feel the X chair difference, you'll understand. My X chair is the most stylish chair I've ever owned. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. Switching to the X chair, I'm more productive and have more energy. I love my X chair and you will too. X chair is now on sale for the holidays, so buy one for yourself and one for someone you love. X chair is now on sale for $100 off. So call 844-4X-CHAIR or go to xchairtom.com, that's xchairtom.com now to save 100 bucks. And here's a special deal just for my listeners. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and they'll even throw in a free footrest. Go to xchairtom or call 844-4X-CHAIR and use the code TOM for a free footrest. That's xchairtom.com, 844-4X-CHAIR. Melissa in Evansville, Indiana. Hey, Melissa, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, you were talking with Sherrod Brown and talking about the GM factory. Well, I've I've been thinking about this for a while. Why is it that we can't take this opportunity, retool those factories, reteach the people to do other things and make solar panels and wind turbines and stuff like that? We certainly could. I mean, that's the core essence of the uh, Green Jobs Bill. Uh, Actually, variations on it have been introduced by a number of legislators. Bernie is probably the most well-known, but a number of Democrats have put together legislation that would not just rebuild the infrastructure of the United States, but rebuild it in a way that is green. Do you Uh, think that the new House coming in, that they might be able to get something done towards that? There's no doubt in my mind that Nancy Pelosi will get that kind of stuff passed. She did when she was running the House before. The problem is that in the second year of uh, Obama's presidency, at the end of the second year, the the Senate flipped Republican, and that was the end of that. I mean, you know, nothing. Nancy was still getting great legislation passed, but it was always dying in the Senate, and I think it will. And the irony is that, Melissa, if your suggestion was taken to heart by the Republicans and they did this, they could avoid the recession that is coming if they did it right away. No um, kidding. Because, you know, it would pour another trillion dollars into the economy, which would be a good goose for a couple of years. And it would pour it in at the bottom rather than the top. So it would have far more impact than the tax cut. But, you know, they're not going to do it because it would help out working people and because it would rebuild America's infrastructure. And the billionaires who own the, the Republican Party are quite happy, thank you very much, to have a country that's essentially sliding into third world chaos as long as they get richer and richer and richer. Melissa, excellent points all. Thank you for the call. BuzzFeed reporting that one of the plans that was at least discussed by the Trump folks was giving Vladimir Putin a $50 million penthouse in the Trump Tower, Moscow, in order to get all the other oligarchs all excited about, uh, you know, joining him there, living there. Which raises the question, if that was seriously entertained, is that a violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act? Or would you have to actually do it? Probably that would be the case. But in any case, it's starting to look pretty bad. And the stuff about Trump is really... uh... Tom Harmon here with you. And on the line with us, our old buddy, Senator Bernie Sanders. Senator Sanders, welcome back. 
Yeah. Welcome back hey, to the program. Tom, how are you? I'm great, and I'm even better now that you're on the line with us. You had a great victory uh, yesterday with what's going on in Yemen. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, it wasn't, you know, a victory for me or Senator Lee or Senator Murphy. It really was a victory, I hope, for the people of Yemen. I don't know how many Americans really know the kind of humanitarian disaster that is currently taking place in Yemen as a result of the Saudi-led intervention there in the Civil War. But, Tom, we are talking about, unbelievably, in the last several years, 85,000 children who have already starved to death. And you're talking about a nation, according to the United Nations, where millions more may perish from starvation. Are you talking about a country where now where there are 10,000 new cases of cholera every single week? This is all in a country of 28 million people. So what yesterday's vote was about, and I want to thank the grassroots throughout this country for supporting us on this, was making it clear that the United States has got to end its involvement in this Saudi-led war. We cannot allow a despotic regime in Saudi Arabia led by the crown prince there. We cannot let them determine American military policy. And furthermore, we have got to reassert congressional uh, prerogative, constitutional congressional prerogative in the war-making process. As you know, the Constitution makes it very clear that it is the Congress of the United States, not the President of the United States, but Congress that determines whether or not we go to war. And certainly this war in Yemen has not been authorized and, in my view, is unconstitutional. Now, Donald Trump has been saying that the reason why we need to support the Saudis, both in the war on Yemen and in the charges that Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, was involved in the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist, the American resident, green card holder, that the reason we have to do this is because it's hundreds of billions of dollars in defense contracts. And yesterday I was sharing with our listeners that it turns out that it was between 12 and 15 billion dollars and that was just a memo of understanding basically a, a tentative deal and that jared kushner walked into the room and said we've got to make this look like there's a real bond between saudi arabia and the united states and the trump administration so let's just tell everybody it's a hundred billion dollars and so they just like invented this lie how, how do we break through the media even if you were to assume that there's some value in saying, we'll take money in exchange for lives and humanity, how do you break through the media of the level of mendacity here? I mean, it really is quite incredible and, and really unprecedented. Uh, you know, every politician in the world stretches the truth and tries to make his or her point. But that you have a president who is a pathological liar, who uses lies in a way that we have never, ever seen before virtually every single day. I mean, he's told thousands of lies since he has been president. And I think we just have to do everything we can to expose his big lies. And what I often talk about is, you know, he ran for president, you'll recall, saying that he was going to provide health care to everybody and then work to throw 32 million people off the health care they had. He said his tax bill would not benefit the wealthy. Well, 83% of the benefits go to the top 1%. He said he would not cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. His budget did exactly that. So, you know, we just got to keep hopping on the lies. Uh, but I think yesterday was also a rebuke. The, the vote on Yemen was a rebuke 
to his policies. The idea, it's not only the, the lies about the amount of military sales to uh, Saudi Arabia, but more importantly, is that really what American foreign policy is about? Yeah. That we're going to shape our policies dependent upon what country buys military hardware from Boeing or General Dynamics. I think that's not what this country is supposed to be about. And I think what I worry about above and beyond the humanitarian disaster in Yemen, which we have got to focus on. And by the way, what we won yesterday was simply discharging that bill from committee. On Tuesday, I believe, you never know around here in the Senate, I believe we'll have a motion to proceed. And we may not have the 63 votes. Some will, I think, drop out and not be with us. But I think we have a majority. And I would ask your listeners to keep putting pressure on members of the Senate to demand that the United States end its involvement in that war. You've got it. And also climate. 88 people were just burned to death in their homes or their backyards because the fossil fuel industry has been lying to us for the better part of 60 years. And now the Republican Party for the better part of probably 20 or 30 years lying to us at the behest of these petrobillionaires. And our planet's on fire. And that's exactly right. And I think, you know, from a geopolitical point of view, let's remember that Putin does not believe in climate change while they're sitting on enormous amounts of oil. These people in Saudi Arabia are pumping out an enormous amount of oil, and then we got Trump here. So when you talk about geopolitics around the world, it also has a lot to do with the major oil producers of the world, who, for their reasons, for their short-term profits, are willing to sacrifice the future of this planet. I would mention, by the way, that on Monday night, we are going to be live-streaming a town meeting from Washington, D.C., which is going to have some of the leading climate experts in the world with us. And I think we're going to be exploring what is happening. And your point that you just made is absolutely right. What happened in California, when 88 people died, where some 14,000 homes were destroyed, what the scientists are telling us is this is what we will see in increased frequency in years to come. Unless we have the guts to stand up to the greed of the fossil fuel industry, transform our energy system away from fossil fuel and to energy efficiency and sustainable energy. And the bad news is that you've got an administration which not only lies all the time, they simply don't believe in science and they're rejecting what their own, what 13 agencies of the federal government have told them, let alone the intergovernmental panel on climate change. And we are seeing right now, it's not just California, it's rising sea levels. It is uh, heat waves. It is drought. It is the migration of people already taking place around the world in order to get water and land that they can grow their crops on. And we have got to appreciate that this is one of the great crises, not only facing the United States of America, but facing this entire planet. And we have got to move aggressively to transform our energy system. And as you know, the good news is that we are developing technology, increased, improved technology every day, which will enable us to do that, whether it is the plummeting price of solar, whether it is improved technology in wind, geothermal, and so forth and so on. And what I would also point out that is not stressed often enough is not only, most importantly, that we have to address the climate change crisis, but when we move to transforming our energy system, we can create millions of jobs in energy efficiency and moving toward weatherizing our homes and our buildings. We can create a transportation system 
that is electrified, and we can create jobs in wind and solar and geothermal and other technologies. But the future of the planet is at stake. And I think, as you were implying, Tom, this takes us back to the tobacco industry. Remember them lying all of the time? And the asbestos industry that killed my father. Same thing. Well, you know, now that you mention it, my dad smoked two packs as well. That's right. And and died at a young age. And they lied and they lied and they lied and millions of people died. And now these people at ExxonMobil and elsewhere are lying and lying and obstructing and obstructing. And the media, of course, has been horrendous on this issue, not focusing on this crisis in a way that it should. And now the planet is at stake. So on Monday night, I hope people watch it. It'll be a very good live stream town meeting. We're going to have some great people on it. And we're going to be talking not only about the, the crisis, but about what we can do to address the crisis, the kind of jobs that we can create, what's going on around the rest of the world. Some really good things are happening. And at the end of the day, if we are smart as a people and a government, we can lower the cost of fuel for people if we put an emphasis on solar technology, et cetera. That's great. There's so much going on in this area. My book, The Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight, we just, Random House, just released the new edition with all new climate change information last month. And a movie that Leo DiCaprio is producing that I'm in on climate change is going to be premiering January 5th in Norway, in Oslo. The government is going to be projecting it on the inside of the Capitol buildings. (laughs) You know, there's some cool stuff going on. And in your world, how do people get to the video, the stream that you're going to be running? Well, they go right to our social media. It'll be live streamed on our Facebook as well as a number of other live stream Facebook. Great. So so check out Bernie Sanders' Facebook page. And before you go, Senator, I, I believe you have a new book out, don't you? I have a copy of it here. Thank you. It's called Where We Go From Here. It talks about what I and other progressives have been doing over the last two years to oppose this outrageous Trump agenda and his behavior and his efforts to divide us up based on the color of our skin or where we come from, and talks about my views about where we want to go from here. That is spectacular. Senator Bernie Sanders, thanks so much for being with us, Senator. It's okay, thank you, Tom. Always great having you on the program. Senator Bernie Sanders, his website, sanders.senate.gov. You can tweet him at sensanders, S-E-N-S-A-N-D-E-R-S. And, uh, boy, a lot going on, and Bernie's right at the center of a lot of it. (laughs) On we go. It sure looks to me like Trump is going down. Do you think he can weasel out of this one? You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. I mean, I guess that's really the question, right? He has already committed in open more crimes than Richard Nixon was accused of. Carol in Manassas, Pennsylvania. Hey, Carol, what do you think about impeachment? Well, personally, uh, I think that we must impeach at this point. And I, I didn't always feel that way. Well, I'm a democratic socialist, so I'll say that in advance. I want that platform of Bernie's to be promoted in every chance we get, everywhere, because that's the one thing that's going to save this country. But the fact is that as long as Trump is in office, we are not going to be able to get anything done, because while we do have the House majority, the Senate will kill everything we try to do, And if they don't kill it, Trump is going to kill it. So I don't see any possibility of our actually getting anything done as long as he is president. And I'd like your opinion on that, Uh, because I I could be wrong. But I think it's time to impeach this man. I think he's a real serious criminal. 
I believe he is a criminal and has been for decades, at least since his bankruptcies and probably the entirety of his life, or at least of yep. his business life. I agree with that. And I think that impeaching him, even if he's not removed from office, right, even if, if he can't get 66 votes in the Senate, impeaching him in the House of Representatives is a way of putting it on the record that what this man has done is a violation of the standards and norms that we expect of our elected officials in the United States of America. Period. Right. Full stop. It's a this state. This is not who we are. That's right. I mean, this man's policies, his unorthodox behavior, his criminality, this is not who we are as a country. Yeah, I agree. Now, that said, huge caveat here is what's Mueller going to come out with? Because if Mueller comes out with evidence that is enough to impeach Trump, but Mike Pence is not at all implicated, we end up with President Pence. And President Pence, and particularly if it happens in the next year, President Pence will then have a whole year to basically run for election and might, you know, might have a good chance, particularly if he picks somebody like Mitt Romney as his running mate. So maybe the best politics is to let Donald Trump be president all the way through 2020, let people's heads explode, their blood boil and get more and more and more pissed off so that in the 2020 election, you have the same kind of massive blue wave that you had in the 2018 election. That's the most cynical way to look at it. And that's now not how I am looking at it. But I know that that's part of the debate that's going on inside the Democratic Party. But everybody is basically waiting to see what Mueller has. I mean, it's I don't think that Pence has enough charisma or likability or policies that anybody cares about that he could possibly win anyway. I don't like the man, and I don't think most people like him. I think you're probably right. I mean, he was going to lose as governor of Indiana, or, right. or he did, one or the other, I don't recall. Um, right. Yeah, but Trump is the thing that turned out the Democratic base. So in a way, he's kind of a gift to the Democrats. Just, in a way, but, you know. Oh Lord, I'm on I know, my but the last price, nerve with this. Yeah, the, the price is just is just too high high to pay, and he uh, needs to go. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Carol. I'm with Thank you. Thank you. The feds have apparently raided a Chicago alderman's office, whose law firm worked for Trump for 12 years, papered over the windows and doors with brown paper. Congressman Cohen, Steve Cohen of Tennessee, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Constitution and Civil Justice, introducing a constitutional amendment that would limit pardon power so that presidents cannot pardon members of their own administration or family. Uh, it's getting very strange. And, and Donald Trump, apparently being played by Mueller here, turns in his uh, answers, his written answers to the questions, and uh, boom, Mueller brings out Cohen and says, uh, no, the, Trump lied to us too, just like Manafort did. We knew it all along. It's pretty amazing. It looks like it's, it looks like it's all crashing in. And Donald Trump goes out to the cameras and says, oh, everybody, this is all very public. Everybody knew we were negotiating for a Trump Hotel in Moscow all through 2016. Uh, no, he was lying about it, actually, on stage, you know, during debates and press conferences and news events. His people were lying about it. His lawyer lied to Congress about it. That's what he just pled guilty to today. But somehow Trump goes before the TV and goes, oh, that's not a big deal. We all knew about that. This is how he has gotten away with all this stuff up to this point. And it's really and truly mind-boggling. You go through the Nixon impeachment, the, the articles of impeachment against Nixon. And it all started, essentially, with Watergate, with Nixon trying to break into the Democrats' headquarters. Well, somebody on behalf of Donald Trump, and it still looks like it was you know, Russia or Russians, broke into the Democratic headquarters to help Trump. 
How is that different from what Nixon did? Oh, it's not. It's just a high-tech version of it. And then Trump lies about it. And then Trump, I mean, the whole, the, the thing that's most mind-boggling to me is what I learned when I watched Michael Moore's newest movie, Fahrenheit 11.9. He opens the movie with Donald Trump and he says, you can thank Gwen Stefani for Donald Trump. And I'm like, what? And then he goes into the story and he documents it. I mean, he actually talks to people who were there and all this kind of stuff. Gwen Stefani was making more money than Donald Trump was. They were both on NBC. Donald Trump was getting paid whatever he was getting paid. Gwen Stefani was getting paid a couple million bucks a year more than Donald Trump was. He was offended by that. And he figured this is also an indication that NBC has a bigger budget than they're pretending. And so he went to his PR people. This is essentially a matter of public record now. Well, not even essentially. It is a matter of public record now. So Trump went to his PR people and said, let's hatch a scheme that'll cause NBC to realize that I'm worth more money than they're paying me right now. And the scheme was he was going to announce that he was running for president as a Republican. And he was going to have three events. They organized three events. There was going to be the event in Trump Tower, and there were going to be two small rallies. And at the event for Trump Tower and at both rallies, they hired a bunch of actors, people who make a living as extras in movies, paid them 50 bucks an hour. I don't know if they did this with sag afters approval or not, but they hired a bunch of actors, paid them 50 bucks an hour, and said all you have to do is wildly cheer. And so Trump comes down Trump Tower and does his rambling riff about, you know, evil rapists, you know, brown people coming from Mexico. And then they were going to do these two events. And then at that point, they were going to go back to NBC and say, you know, pay us more money and we'll stop the campaign. This was literally the plan. This is literally why Donald Trump announced that he was running for president, was to get a higher paycheck from NBC. And when he showed up at the first rally, he was expecting there to be a couple hundred actors there being paid 50 bucks an hour, just like at Trump Tower. That's all it was, actors. Right? He was expecting actors at the first rally. But guess what? It turns out that there's a whole bunch of people in America who are pretty hysterical about brown people from Mexico. And they showed up at his rally. He was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. Now, he still wasn't talking about build the wall, and he still wasn't talking about lock her up. But he went off on a couple of riffs, some of his racist riffs, and the crowd went wild. And Trump was like, oh, this feels good. I love it when people love me like this. And so he said to his people, hey, let's, let's see how far we can ride this. Right? This is fun, and we can make money. We can sell merchandise. There's a money-making opportunity here. And in fact, he bragged in one of his uh, rallies fairly early on that he would probably be the first guy in history to make money running for president. Well, he wasn't the first guy to make money running for president. That's a scam that Newt Gingrich has run over and over again. It's a scam that Rick Santorum has run over and over again. These guys who have absolutely no chance of becoming president, they run for president just so that they can raise money and then keep the money after they lose the election. It's like the producers. That's how Santorum has made a lot of his money. It's how Newt Gingrich has made a lot of his money. It's what Donald Trump was going to do. And throughout this time, he's like, well, you know, I still have to run a business. And if I become president, don't worry, I'll put my companies in a blind trust like Jimmy Carter did. And by the way, Jimmy Carter almost lost his farm, his peanut farm, because he put it in a blind trust. And the guy who was running the trust kind of mismanaged it. But Jimmy Carter was an ethical man. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't want to know what was going on. He was busy being president of the United States. 
But through the campaign, Donald Trump is thinking, okay, my profile is going up and up and up. I've wanted to build a hotel in Moscow for years. Maybe Putin and the Russian billionaires will take me seriously now that I'm a serious contender for president. Now that I'm up on the stage with Jeb Bush and Mitt Romney, Lindsey Graham, you know, serious people, right? Or at least people that are taken seriously in Republican circles. And so in the background, he's trying to cut this deal with the Russian oligarchs. Which one of you guys wants to build the building? I'm not going to put my money up on this. I'm not investing in this. You're investing in this. You, you Russians, you build the hotel, put my name on it, and you pay me millions of dollars a year uh, for the rights to my name. That's how the Trump brand works. That is the Trump business, or it has been since his last bankruptcy. And interestingly, now four or five buildings have taken his name off of them. And I think the Trump brand has been seriously tarnished by his presidency. But we now know the price that Donald Trump was willing to take to sell out his country was a hotel in Moscow. And right up until the day of the election, he was convinced he was going to lose. And immediately after he lost, he was going to start building a, a hotel in Moscow. He was working out the details. And then after he won, they had to lie and say, no, we weren't doing that. We wouldn't do that. That would be unethical. We're not unethical. We're president. Right. And not only that, Michael Cohen testified this morning, or the, the papers that were filed with the court testified, that both Trump and Cohen briefed members of the Trump crime family about this. So presumably Don Jr., Eric, Ivanka, Jared, at the very least... We're told, hey, you know, the Trump Tower of Moscow thing is really rolling along. Look at this. We got, we're getting, we're getting there. We're going to be big. But the thing that amazes me is that he is literally committing these crimes out in open. And as a result, we all seem to be going, well, okay, that was a crime. Next. I mean, at what point does the outrage just explode? Holidays are brutal if you're trying to maintain your weight or even lose a little. All those tempting goodies at the office and get-togethers. I want you to try Ridgizone. I've been telling you how well it works for my wife. Louise wanted to lose a little weight with a wedding coming up. She read about university research and how one particular molecule helps regulate appetite. Ridgizone is designed to boost levels of that one molecule, your metabolism too, so you stop craving the wrong foods like too many holiday sweets and you burn calories faster. With her appetite and cravings under control, she said losing weight was easy. She has more energy on her hikes and she looks amazing. Listen, when diet and exercise aren't enough and you want to lose the weight you've been struggling to lose, even over the holidays, get non-prescription, FDA-accepted Riduzone. While supplies last, you can use the promo code TOM, as T-H-O-M, and receive 30% off plus free shipping. Go to tryriduzone.com. That's try, T-R-Y, Ridu, R-I-D-U, Zone, Z-O-N-E.com. So don't forget, while supplies last, use the promo code TOM and get 30% off plus free shipping. Tryriduzone.com today. Jordan in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Jordan, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I've been wanting to ask this question since Trump was first elected because I saw the article that he paid actors to be at his first two campaign rallies. Right. And since he paid actors to do so and the press covered it and never called him out on that, he created fake news. 
And yeah. I think that that's why he always says news is fake, because in his mind, he was able to create fake news, and no one ever called him out on it. Oh, and he's been doing it his whole life. I mean, you know, right. he, he was uh, Donald Barron or something like that. Right, or right. John Barron, I guess, was the phony John name he used. Yeah. It was kind of a joke among, uh, among reporters in New York City, you know, when they get these calls from John Barron. And you know, they all knew it was Trump, right? Trump knew that they knew it was Trump, but they played right. this little charade. And, and, and yeah, he influenced the news in New York, too. It was mostly the celebrity gossip stuff. I mean, you know, it wasn't the real business news kind of stuff. So, yeah, excellent point, Jordan. And, and I would add to that, I almost went down that, you know, off on that tangent in my last rant, is that his whole thing about build the wall and lock her up, these were two memes that were brought to him by Cambridge Analytica that they hired, you know, Robert Mercer and his daughter Rebecca hired when it became clear that Donald Trump was actually a serious contender. And they decided, okay, let's get serious about this race, uh, this billionaire and his daughter, and some of the other billionaires, presumably, let's get serious about this race, because this guy might actually become president. So let's place a bet on this thing, and let's make sure that he's got the very best memes. And so they crowd tested this stuff, they focus group tested it, and they found that lock her up and build a wall, and, and Trump was skeptical of both of them. He thought that both, he, he thought that lock her up sounded crass, and he thought build a wall, who, who gives a damn about what's going on on the border with Mexico? But boy, they worked really, really well when he tested them on the crowds, and, and he never looked back. I, so, I agree. I completely agree. Thank yeah. you for taking my call. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks to Jordan for the call. Cora in Taos, New Mexico. Hey, Cora, what's up? Well, I would suggest that Donald uh, Trump is running the country like a mafia don. And so you've got uh, like the fossil fuel companies buying exclusive rights to find the fuel to the country. You've got the Saudis paying protection money so they can run things how they want to do. And then his followers are like part of the mob family because they think they're going to score big at some point. And they don't care if they have to go to jail because he'll bail them out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and, and he's been yeah. running his business that way for his entire life, apparently. Yeah. So, I mean, he's done business, actually, with the mafia. Yeah. That's we we have a mobster as mafia. president. Yes, I, I mean, exactly. this, this is the thing that needs to just be said right out loud. We have a guy who, who worked with the New York mob, Fat Tony, whatever his name was, Sclerno or something like that. He's documented to have worked with mobsters, to have hung out with mobsters. He runs his company like a mobster. And now he's, he's trying to cut these deals, these backroom deals with people who are being indicted to scam the special prosecutor. The special prosecutor is catching him on it. We'll see where this all goes, Cora, but it sure looks to me like a RICO indictment is coming down the road. You know, racketeering uh, so. influence, cor uh, corrupt organization. Yeah, which is what they use to go after the mafia. Cora, thanks for the call. Johnny in Lamarck, Texas. Hey, Johnny, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I just heard a few minutes ago you mentioned with a caller about how Donald Trump used to pretend to be some other person yeah. as a publicist promoting himself to the New York media back in the day. And my question is, I'm wondering if any of these uh, New York the journalists had any presence of mind back then to maybe capture a recording of him for old time's sake. And if that would be there are those recordings are out there, Johnny. Those recordings are out there. There, there are. You, you, in fact, you can. I, I've seen them online, so I'm sure that you, know, you could duck, duck, go it and find them. I've listened to them. Uh, you know, there are recordings of Donald Trump, and and uh, the the one that is uh, the one that I heard online was Donald Trump talking about what a great lover he was. So you know, this this guy. I would love to have who, that played on national TV for his daughters to hear. Yeah, well, I think they already have been. I, I you know, I think his daughters are hustlers. I don't know about Tiffany, but uh, you know, I think Ivanka is a hustler. You know, a a, a grift just like her father and you know Definitely. yeah we've seen all At kinds of proof of it. must have some kind of embarrassment potential 
I don't know. I don't think so. Kushner, his dad went to prison for defrauding investors and Kushner's following his footsteps. I mean, I just don't think that they have any shame. I think these guys are world-class grifters. Johnny, thanks for the call. Rich in Sheridan, Wyoming. Hey, Rich, what's up? Not much, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. I was wondering, do you think that Nancy Pelosi is going to bring impeachment uh, proceedings against President Donald Duck? Yeah. I, you know, I don't know the answer to that, Rich, and I think that a lot of it is going to depend on what Mueller comes up with. If Mueller comes up with an airtight case, if he comes forward and says, okay, here's the one, two, three, four, five, and you line this up against what Nixon resigned over, and you say, whoa, you basically have no choice but to bring articles of impeachment and then let the chips fall where they may. It's hard to, you know, second guess it, but we'll see. George in Santee, California. Hey, George, what's up? Uh, good morning, Tom. I'm 71, and I know back in, you know, the 60s, the reason why Russia was an adversary of ours was just because of the idea of communism. Yeah, it was an ideological difference. Yeah, but if you could, would you maybe briefly summarize the current situation and why Russia's an adversary of ours now? I, you know, that's a good question, and I have long felt that we do business with regimes that are worse, more autocratic. Saudi Arabia is poster child for this, which is not to say that we should be reaching out to autocratic regimes, but I think that Russia has more interests aligned with us than a lot of the countries that we have gotten in bed with. On the other hand, the NATO countries are rather concerned. But on the third hand, we violated our NATO agreement. I think a lot of this goes back to that, by the way. Uh, the deal that George Herbert Walker Bush made with Mikhail Gorbachev, which was that the United States would not expand NATO, or NATO would not expand NATO into the Baltic states or onto Russia's borders, basically. And we have done that. We have expanded NATO onto their borders. And that, I think, is the initial source of the hostility. George, thanks for the call. With all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where my data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email could put your private information at risk. You are being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile and internet provider now that the Republicans have destroyed net neutrality. That's why I decided to take back my privacy by using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of my computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Tom. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash T-H-O-M for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Tom to learn more. Our book for today in the Tom Harmon Book Club is a Proof of Collusion, How Trump Betrayed America by Seth Abramson. This is from the chapter one, page 14. Up until 1987, Donald Trump was not regarded as a particularly political public figure. However, in 1987, he published The Art of the Deal and took a trip to Moscow, one or both of which sent him in the direction of a political career. Trump's trip to Moscow in 1987 comes at the invitation of Russia's ambassador to the United States, Yuri Dubinin. In Moscow, Trump stays at the Lenin Suite of the Hotel National, which, as Jonathan Chait of New York Magazine notes, certainly would have been bugged in 1987. Trump holds meetings on the possible construction of a Trump hotel with Soviet officials coming away from the meetings, certain that the officials are eager to do business with him. On returning to the United States, Trump spends nearly $100,000 on politically charged newspaper ads, 
attacking American allies like Japan and Saudi Arabia for spending too little on their own defense. He urges America to, uh, to quote, tax these wealthy nations, end quote, and shortly thereafter makes a high-profile trip to New Hampshire, the sort of trip that is often considered a prelude to a presidential bid. Trump's 1987 bid for a Trump hotel in Moscow falls through, according to the Washington Post, only because Trump was, quote, preoccupied with other business projects. Once Trump's companies recover from a string of bankruptcies in 91 and 92, he returns his attention to the Russian market. In 96, he returns to Moscow with Howard Lorber, one of his two closest friends, according to the Post. Together, they scout locations for an office tower and eventually find a location for the tower and a prospective Russian business partner. Trump announces plans for a Trump International branded building in November of 96. The deal will see him invest $250 million in licensing his name to two buildings. We have an understanding we'll be doing it, Trump says. At the press conference promoting the deal, he says he doesn't think he's ever been as impressed with the potential of a city as I have been with Moscow. However, Trump has a problem. American banks will no longer lend him money, citing his track record for paying back only pennies on the dollar, what the banks called the Donald risk. In 1997, though, the New Yorker is writing about the breadth of Trump's hopes for Moscow investment and business connections. Trump's plan for the expansion of his real estate portfolio into Russia go well beyond a single Trump International Hotel. Trump envisions a much larger series of investments. He tells the New Yorker it would be skyscrapers and hotels. We're working with the local government, the mayor of Moscow and the mayor's people. So far, they've been very responsive. As Trump's 1996 plans finally fall through for good, Russia begins a period of political upheaval that sees the nation led by five successive prime ministers appointed by Boris Yeltsin over a 15-month period in 98 and 99. The last of these prime ministers is a man by the name of Vladimir Putin. Putin, the former first deputy chairman, equivalent of deputy mayor of St. Petersburg, develops a fondness for Miss St. Petersburg, Oksana Fedorova, sometime before she is crowned Miss Russia in 2001. It's widely known that he has a picture of her in his office. After Fedorova wins the 2001 Miss Russian pageant, rumors abound, spurred in part by the presence of Putin's domestic intelligence service, FSB, acting as security at the competition, that the pageant has been rigged so that Fedorova will win. Local media say that either the pageant was corrupt or its organizers knew instinctively it would be unwise, not politically correct, according to the Telegraph, to let anyone but Fedorova win. In winning the Miss Russia pageant, Fedorova becomes Russia's entrant to the 2002 Miss Universe pageant, an international competition owned by Donald Trump. Fedorova's publicly acknowledged boyfriend is Vladimir Golubev, a St. Petersburg crime boss heavily involved in the construction industry. But the scuttlebutt in Moscow is that Fedorova is actually with a different Vladimir. Uh, in a May 2002 article published immediately after the 2002 Miss Universe contest in Moscow calls Fedorova Putin's girl. There's substantial press attention on the pageant in Moscow as Fedorova wins the competition and makes pageant history as the first Miss Universe from Russia to win the contest. On November 2nd, 2017, an eyewitness to the judging process at the 2002 Miss Universe contest will contact this author to say that the contest was rigged. After the eyewitness's identity had been verified, the eyewitness recounts the following. After there are only 10 contestants left in the 2002 Miss Universe pageant, an elimination process that Trump directly participates in this point in the pageant's history. Trump addresses the pageant's celebrity judges and indicates that he wants Miss Russia crowned Miss Universe. The source reports Trump saying, quote, there's definitely clearly one woman out there who's head and shoulders above the rest. She's the one I'd vote for. 
Given the context of the statement, Trump issuing his formal instructions to the judges as they prepared for the conclusion of the pageant, as well as his demeanor while speaking, the eyewitness asserts that Trump, quote, told the judges who to vote for, adding that a subsequent conversation among the celebrity judges revealed that several had the same impression. The judges did, in fact, vote for Miss Russia, who thereby becomes Miss Universe until her dethroning 120 days later for failure to faithfully execute the duties of her office. The contest celebrity judges are later told by parties affiliated with the pageant Fedorova has been dethroned because of unspecified criminal contact. Proof of collusion. Tom Harvard here with you. On the line with us is Senator Jeff Merkley, my senator, one of my two senators. Merkley.senate.gov is the website. Send Jeff Merkley is the Twitter handle. And Senator, welcome back to the program. Uh, it's great to be with you. Thank you for doing such a marvelous job representing this state and our nation. I, you are absolutely one of the best. You've got a big drug pricing bill rolling out. Tell us about this. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're just being completely ripped off here in the United States of America, where we fund the research on which a lot of the new drugs are developed, and yet we pay more than the Canadians or the Europeans or the Japanese for those drugs. And why should that be the case? We've done the upfront investment. We should get at least as good a deal here in America as, as elsewhere around the world. So my bill basically says you can't charge more in America than the median price in a group of 11 of uh, major countries that uh, have these drugs available. Wow. What kind of support do you have? How do you see this playing out? Well, we're just rolling out the bill today, and we're going to uh, build support over the, the break and reintroduce uh, in the new Congress, hopefully with the, a whole team behind us. Yeah. But I, I must say this whole concept is based on that the discussion is often, well, let's have Medicare negotiate the price of drugs. And I love that idea. I've supported that idea. Uh, but that only affects the drug prices for folks who are essentially 65 and up. Right. Why shouldn't everybody in America get a fair deal? And so this is a, f a fair deal for all low drug price act. So basically what you're doing is, I mean, all those other countries that you named have national health care programs. They're all negotiating prices with the drug companies. These are prices at which we know that the drug companies can make a good profit because they continue to sell into these markets. And they're also probably the lowest prices that you can negotiate for reasonable quantities of drugs. And so by aggregating these countries together and coming up with the median or the average price, basically you're letting them do the negotiating for us. That's correct. We're piggybacking on that. And the, the advantage of that is we get out of the situation of kind of insider negotiations and corruption that can inhabit the relationship between powerful drug companies and the government. Right. So let's take, for example, Lantus, a diabetes drug. The U.S. price is about $373 per unit. But the price under this bill in these countries, based the median price would be $62. 373 versus 62. Hell of a lot better deal for Americans. Wow. We were talking on this program a couple of days ago about these two mothers who went to this big drug company that is one of the larger manufacturers of insulin in the United States. And they had raised their price from 25 or $50 per whatever it is, you know, up to uh, three to $500. In both cases, their young adult children, diabetics, type 1 diabetics, were cutting their insulin doses because they literally could not afford to buy yep at the level that they had to have. And they both died as a consequence of it. These two oh, women tried to deliver the ashes of their children to the company. The company, of course, called the police. Uh, I shouldn't say, of course. The company shamelessly called the police and had them escorted out. Real world consequences to this stuff that you are taking on. This isn't just about, hey, I got ripped off at the drugstore. 
statistics show that those families who are, are taking prescriptions, uh, 80% of them are doing some form of reduction in their pills, cutting their pills in half or something of, of that nature. It's a huge impact. It's a stressful system, it's an expensive system, and it's where Americans are essentially paying a massive tax to support our drug companies that the rest of the world doesn't pay. The rest of the developed world, these are prosperous nations that are reference nations, nations like Canada, France, Germany, Australia, the Netherlands, Japan, Italy. If they can get the drug for $62, we shouldn't be paying 373 Or take a cholesterol drug, Crestor, that uh, is $216 here in the U.S., it's $27 under this bill, wow. uh, you know, almost a tenth of the price. And this continues through a whole list. I mean, we know we've been overpriced because we know when the Veterans Administration negotiates, they get a much better deal than Medicare does. But really, we're paying more everywhere. It's a massive driver of the increase in health care costs. We had this examination over a six-month period of how many drugs went up in price and how many went down. And essentially, for everyone that came down a little bit, because sometimes administration says, well, we've got a number of drugs that have come down in price. For everyone that came down, almost 100 went up. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm not, not at all surprised. So if people want to call their senators and support your legislation, what should they say? They should say uh, the Low Drug Price Act. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, we shouldn't be ripped off here in America. Uh, please join the bill. Senator Jeff Merkley's low, low Price Drug Act. Yeah, got yeah. it. If I may, before you run, ask your thoughts on what's going on right now with Michael Cohen flipping, apparently, on Donald Trump. And it looks like Apparently, right up to the day of the election, in fact, even after the election, Donald Trump was trying to negotiate a hotel in Moscow. It looks like his plan was lose the election. I mean, he didn't even have a, an accepted speech written. Lose the election and then immediately off the fame of being the Republican candidate, immediately open your hotel in Moscow and become richer and richer and richer. And he like sold out his country for a hotel. Well, it. Or it, it looks that way to me. I, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just been such an extraordinary set of conflicts of interest, conflicts of interest that extend to this day, because even as president, he's involved in taking money from all kinds of propositions where foreign governments are, are happy to steer businesses away. Yeah. And this, of course, is banned by the Constitution, yet he has, there's just no shame. No shame, no integrity. It's what we have. It's why we have to make sure that he's not reelected in 2020. Yeah, at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. Senator Jeff Merkley, uh, Senator, thanks so much for dropping by today. It's always great talking with you. You're, You're always welcome, welcome here. Tom, thanks Thank so you. much. Thank you. Take care. Senator Merkley's website is merkley.senate.gov. You can tweet him at S-E-N Jeff Merkley, M-E-R-K-L-E-Y. One of the really great members of Congress, and I'm so glad he's my senator. Mary in Chicago. Hey, Mary. Yes, I was very impressed by Senator Jeff Merkley's comments. I agree. the bill, I mean, it is brilliant in its simplicity. It really is. And I want to thoroughly agree with what Senator Merkley said about the emoluments clause. Yeah. Um, I always thought that Donald Trump committed an impeachable offense the moment he took the oath of office. I agree. And so not releasing his tax returns, that kind of adds fuel to the fire, in my opinion. There is a reckoning yeah. coming. I really want to know 
who he owes money to, and that is what dictates his public policy. I think you're absolutely right, and it's not a good thing. I mean, you know, the number one example of this is is the uh, Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C., which he should have put into a trust. I mean, even the lease says that a person who all holds political office cannot run this hotel or even own this hotel. I mean, he's in violation of his lease with the federal government. Mary, thank you for the call. And yeah, Merkley's bill is a big deal. Jacob in Baltimore, Maryland. Hey, Jacob, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I was listening to the efforts in pharmaceuticals and the insane prices that we're paying. And as someone who's a chemist and has worked in both academia and pharmaceutical industry, I just don't really see how it is that the profit motive actually acts in a good way in any capacity in the pharmaceutical industry. I don't see how it's driving drug discovery at all in terms of useful drugs and why we shouldn't just internalize the process. We already largely have and have for the better part of 50 or 60 years with the National Institutes of Health. They fund the development of the vast majority of actual new drugs. Most of the research that's being done by the large drug companies anyway is not into new families or new categories or new classes of drugs, but rather is being done into uh, how do we take the Prozac that's about to go out of patent and change one molecule so that it still does the same thing, but we can call it a new drug and jack the price back up as a proprietary retail drug? If so, yeah, I, I think your suggestion makes a lot right. of sense. So I'm saying that I don't understand how, you know, we take all of the risk, right, and the NIH and doing basic research, and then once it's gotten to the point where you can probably make money off of it, we just turn it over. Yeah. Private industry spends on $60 billion a year, so does the NIH and the NSF. Why not just double the budget, internalize all of that, and then we would own all of the drugs and all of the patents there. And would I agree. Set the price? I absolutely yeah. agree, Jacob. I think it's a great idea, and I think that we should do it. Good thinking. Jacob, thank you. Thank you. That's brilliant. Uh, Bruce, Bruce, St. Petersburg, you're on the air. Yes, Tom. I just had a couple things. Uh, I Back in the 60s, my dad told me, the Republicans run up the debt, the Democrats pay it off. Yep, it's and, true. Uh, it's actually it true. Was, uh, it was uh, George Bush that said Reagan's economics was voodoo. Yep, you're absolutely right. George Herbert Walker and, Bush. Yeah. And about these plants closing down, these GM plants, we bailed them out. Those are actually our plants. I think that we ought to do a Richard Wolf deal here and do a co-op with zero interest and let employees take over those plans and turn them into solar plants and electric car. That would be something. That would be something, Bruce. I agree. I completely agree. Thank you for the call. And it could be done, actually, if you had Democratic Socialists in Congress. <laughs> we have a long way to go. That's the bad news. The good news is most of the country is with us. It's just a matter of getting over the institutional obstacles that Republicans have built over the last 40 years as they've run their grift, their con on us. And now the ultimate grifter, the ultimate con man is sitting in the White House. It's, it's mind boggling, but we've got a lot of work to do. So don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.